Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live! Lyrically, I'm untouchable, uncrushable. All right, I am back here on Punch the Face Radio. I apologize for anyone who was listening live. Um, I'm not really sure what happened here with Blog Talk, but we're back. Uh, we're back on the show. We're back here live. Uh, to talk boxing and just kind of maybe to recap a little bit about uh, what Omar uh, Figueroa, we want to thank him for coming on the show, was talking about um, the deal is done on his side. It's Mikey Garcia's team right now that's holding some things up by the sounds of regards to getting this fight done. Now, like I said, this has been something that's been publicized in regards to the fight getting done and being out there, and that's why he wanted to come on the show today and just say, no, nah, not so much. It's not officially together at this point. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I appreciate him calling, calling in and giving us the clarification we needed on that. So that's not a done deal here for January 27th as of yet. Um, interesting to hear him say in regards to Al Heyman that pretty much he's like the backbone. Um, <laughs> but he's there when you need him, which, you know, honest to God, I will say this. In talking to the PBC fighters I've talked to throughout my time and doing the show and, and covering boxing, they all kind of say the same thing that, you know, he, he does reach out and he does talk to guys and does help them when they need help. So I, I guess it's one of those things, if you're loyal to Al, Al's loyal to you. I, I got to respect that. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to respect that. So um, crazy to think uh, that that is the case, but um, yeah, yeah. And um, shout out to Guillermo Rigondeaux's Twitter handler. Um, I tweeted out to Guillermo Rigondeaux here before the show. Uh, Would he continue to be as vocal on social media, win or lose, versus Lomachenko here next weekend? Uh, and his response was, let me rephrase this, his Twitter handler's response, because Guillermo Rigondeaux does not speak this good of English, I will continue to be myself losing to a guy like Lomachenko. is nothing to be ashamed of. However, losing to me is nothing to be guaranteed so far. So, you know, there's that. Uh, shout out to Guillermo Rigondeaux. Nothing respect for him and Lomachenko. Next week we'll be talking uh, a lot more in depth in regards to that fight uh, when Adam Abramowitz joins me. So I do want to get into, uh, let me start off here with recapping here last weekend's fights. And it's a it's a shame that we can't get a, a true unification or tournament here at 175 because it really needs to happen. Sergey Kovalev went out and looked like Sergey Kovalev of old. Uh, he went out and he pretty much beat up uh, Shabransky in a fight that was really not not close. I mean, you saw the confidence was back with Sergey Kovalev, and that's a good thing. That's what we needed. Uh, we needed to see him be back to himself and have that confidence and go out and, you know, no pun intended, crush opponents. So he did that against Shabransky, made light work of him two rounds, uh, got him out of there. Shabransky was really – he was outclassed, and, I mean, that, that's something that 
uh, we kind of saw coming when this fight was being booked. But uh, he did what he was supposed to do against a, a lesser opponent. He went out and he beat the opponent. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go out and you're supposed to handle the opponent. So he went out there and did that, did a good job of it. So, uh, you know, congrats and kudos to him for doing that, which now leads us to the question of what's next for him. There's already a date set up for Sergey Kovalev, uh, March 3rd, back in New York at Madison Square Garden. Uh, there are some names already kind of floating around. It's a little bit early. Uh, Dmitry Buev is one. I don't really see that being the case. I don't see him being doing that. Uh, I actually see Dimitri Buev versus uh, Sullivan Barrera. That's actually been ordered uh, by the, uh, the WBA uh, that he holds a belt for, uh, Buev. So I look for that fight to happen first, and I think that makes a little bit more sense. Uh, don't completely, if your main events, and I've said this, you don't want to cannibalize your roster right now. Uh, Dimitri Buev is doing business with main events here in the States, um, but, you know, if Sullivan Barrera's number contender for that, why not make that fight? And obviously, whoever wins that fight versus Sergey Koblen makes it even a bigger fight. You know, don't rush, you know, Sergey versus Dimitri right now for uh, to unify titles. You know, have Buev do a fight, another fight here in the States, uh, build a little bit more buzz, give him a headline of uh, HBO uh, championship boxing card, and boom, you know, you have him and, and Sergey uh, fight each other at some point, maybe spring. Of, of next year. They even talk about Dimitri possibly being the co-headliner on that March 3rd card for Sergey Kovalev. So I can see that as well. Uh, but like I said, all signs point to negotiations uh, being ordered here for uh, Sullivan Barrera and Dimitri Buev. You know, Barrera had a very tough fight against uh, Valera, uh, was the gentleman's name, very awkward style. Uh, came forward, was very aggressive, did knock down Barrera early in the fight, uh, but Barrera gave his composure, was able to win on the cards, did suffer a lot of low blows. It's kind of a aesthetically unpleasing fight to watch, but Barrera did his thing in boxed, and, and he, he couldn't get the guy out of there. Let's let's give uh, Barrera a lot of credit. He, he was tough. He hung tough uh, for the fight, but ended up losing down the line. So you got to respect that, got to love that. So... Um, I don't know when 175 is is still the most interesting division to me as we head into 20, uh, 2018 and who's going to be fighting who and where. And I don't know what's going to happen with, with the champions because we have various different champions. We then we have Adonis Stevenson who's kind of there. We You know, he's I don't want to say he's the wild card, but he's the one who seems to be less um, interested, maybe the best way of describing it, of the current champions of 175 who would be interested in in fighting other top contenders or other champions. Uh, you know, he's putting out videos saying he's getting his name called out, call 1-800-AL-HAYMAN. Um, you know, the fight him with Edner Alvarez sounds like it may get pushed back again. The fight with Badu Jack I thought was finalized and not a done deal. Um, there's a lot more questions than answers in regards to what exactly is going on with him and who he's going to fight next. Uh, if those are his two options, they're going to be tough options and legitimate options. 
But I hope those are his two options. I hope there's not some other name that gets pulled out of a hat, um, somebody else who gets uh, selected to take the fight. I hope that's not the case. But stranger things have happened. Um, You know, like I said, 175, you have Sergey now as the WBO champion. Artur Benabidev won the IBF title a couple of weeks ago. Uh, We have Buev, the WBA champion, and Adonis Stevenson at WBC. You know, Stevenson has his own issues here with um, with issues going on with, uh, you know, not getting top guys. But BF has contractual issues going on as well. A lot of weird stuff. Um, but we do have a caller calling in right now here from 619. Uh, caller, you're here live here on Punch the Face Radio. Hello, this is Giandra LaBeouf calling from Los Angeles. What's up, girl? What's cracking, Brandon Stubbs? Oh man, now, oh man, this warms my heart, Jay. This has been a long time since we've been on the same air together. What 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 is I on know. your mind, girl? I'm really feeling what you're talking about about the landscape of the light heavyweight division, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. And it's really frustrating to see all of the other light heavyweights active and competing, but we still have Adonis Stevenson who is just sitting back posting pictures on Instagram. He's not being stripped. He's not being threatened with being stripped of the title. We saw Tyson Fury barely won the title. Granted, every organization, every sanctioning body has their own rules, but Jesus, what does this guy got to do to get in the ring? And he's still the champion. He's still the reigning champion. At this point, put him in with a bum. Put him in with somebody. (laughs) Just so that he's active, and it's ridiculous to me. Well, I mean, we've seen him in there with bums and guys who had no business uh, fighting him, and I think that's what's gotten fans so frustrated, and that's why I was really excited about the Badu Jack fight that I thought was a done deal for January, and all of a sudden now it's like dead, you know, no, no radio signals, like nothing from Mayweather's camp in regards to Badu Jack in his next fight. But they say he's got something big planned. Adonis is, you know, sitting eating crawfish or something and talking about call 1-800-AL-HAYMAN. I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm confused, and I confuse easily, but this is really confusing here with regards to Adonis Stevenson and his title here at 175. It's as confusing as Chinese calculus. Can you imagine what the negotiations are like? You have a fighter who is promoted by Floyd Mayweather and the other fighter who's promoted by quote-unquote, quote-unquote promoted by the person who promoted Floyd. So I can imagine that these conversations are probably awkward. Like, does Floyd call Al like, yo, what's up? Like, it's just very, very, it's probably very awkward to try to negotiate the fight. And you know, I would love to be a fly on the wall when they're trying to get this together. I'm impressed with Badu Jack. He really has come up over the last few years been very competitive. I'm sure he wants to fight too. He wants to crack at it. Even if they don't want to do business with the other promoters and they want to keep the money in the house, so to say, do something. Do something with him because we're getting, I'm from a fan, I'm actually, I'm talking from a fan perspective tonight and not a media perspective. It's just very frustrating and it diminishes the sport when you see things like that happen. But then in the next breath, they're threatening to take titles away or they force um, fighters to vacate titles within a, if they haven't negotiated their next fight within a month. It's crazy. 
Now, in all seriousness, though, and I, there's something that if you have the opportunity, if you happen to see him, I want you to ask Andre Ward, especially if you say before the year's out somehow, did he get a Christmas ham, a gift card, something from somebody <laughs> at 175? Because he is the biggest gift to them right now. Him retiring has made everybody champions again, is making some people some money. Um, it, it's, you know, last week when I was talking to Kathy Duva, you know, main events promoter, I really want to ask you, like, okay, now that Ward is gone, how easy is it going to be for your two guys whose only losses are to Andre Ward? But I didn't want to make it awkward. But, it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's very evident that now that Ward's gone, it, it's really up for grabs, and it's really Sergey's crown for the taking because he looks mm-hmm. to be the best at 175. I mean, it's a great question. I don't think it's awkward asking that at all because the fact is, looking at how Kovalev ran through uh, Shabransky last week, that is what he's supposed to do. It's no different than how Wilder ran through Stavern the weeks before. He is supposed to get in there, get it done, not play around, knock the guy out, on to the next thing, keep him active, keep him busy. This new redeemed Kovalev, humble and approachable and transparent is great. That's something they can build on. Everybody loves a great redemptive story. But Adonis Stevenson, everyone always says, oh, you know, the fans are too hard on him. What he did was in the past. But he doesn't do anything to even endear himself to the fans. He's just annoying. And I'm not going to take anything away from his skills and his one-punch power. Definitely. I'm not, I don't have an issue with that. I have an issue with the fact that he don't fight. Can he fight? Can he, can he fight? He can, fight. can he get in a fight? Yes. Can we put him on? Can he hang out with Broner for a little bit and get in a fight? Whoa. I mean, something. Can he do something Yo, I, other than post on social media? That's all I'm saying. Speaking of, has he turned himself in? I'm kind of worried about him. I haven't seen any Snapchats here today, um, so I'm, I'm a bit worried. You know, he, um, I don't know. He posted something on Instagram saying, I heard I was wanted. And before that, he has really been keeping a low, low profile, which is probably good. He did post something. He was doing some stuff over the holidays. I think he's keeping a low profile, to be honest, which is good for him. But at the same time, you never know what might pop up. Oh, I will say his you know Snapchat what? is lit. <laughs> It's always I'm going to actually, to rewind it back to Adonis Stevenson, and then I'm going to get off of whipping a dead horse, maybe his fight didn't go through because he still can't leave the country. When that fight was announced that it was going to take place in New York, I was surprised that he could travel places because, you know, he only fights in Canada. Maybe something legal uh-huh. came up to preclude him from leaving the country. You just never know with these kind of things. That would honestly make a lot more sense because, you know, with – Kind of even with fighters going into Canada, if you have certain stuff on your record, it's hard passport-wise to get in and out of the country. So, you know what? There, there, that could be – that wouldn't surprise me at all. I'm going to just put – that could be more to it than what we think. Look at you. I just, you, I just thought about that. Follow. I didn't even think of – I try. I try sometimes. I'm not drinking right now. That's why. But I am, so. just now, I just wanted to look at his – I went to his box rec to see when he last fought, and he last fought in June, last June against Funfara. And before that, he only fought – he only fought once in 17, once in 16, twice in 15. Are you kidding me? Shoot, Shannon Briggs down there has fought more than that in the last three years. 
Well, actually, he has, but yeah. it could be something regard related to his checkered past. You just never know. You never know. <laughs> I love how you put checkered past. Look at you showing showing restraint. That you're just showing you're showing growth. That's what that is. You're showing growth, Ginger, and I, 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 I appreciate that. <laughs> and you know what? I know that I come across as a hater on Adonis Stevenson. I'm a I'm a own that. I'm a own it. I try to stay real impartial when it comes to fighters, but when it comes to, it's just something about him is very polarizing to me. I would love nothing more than to see Badu Jack knock him out, Kovalev knock him out. Um, who else is in the light heavyweight division? Sullivan Barrera at his moment. Uh, Alvarez. El, somebody. Somebody do something. Somebody give him the Nancy Kerrigan and, and, and bow, you know. Oh, he can't fight me, Jack. <laughs> Well, I'm not trying to give you any ideas. No, no, we do not promote cider violence here on Push the Face Radio. Now, you know, I'm still holding out hope, and I've said this on on, on years ago on the ruckus, and I even said it a couple weeks ago here on the show on Adam Abramowitz. uh, Shout out to Adam Abramowitz. Held me under the fire and laughed and didn't judge me. (laughs) Next week, um, I think it's next Tuesday, matter of fact, Chad Dawson fights again. I still have some semblance of hope. Some I refuse to let it go. He does. He's uh he's the co feature. Um he's facing uh Edwin Rodriguez. And Pascal's the headline. Oh really? Uh, there on Toe to Toe Tuesday on Fox Sports One. Wow. <laughs> wow. Obviously you're I'm not a, reading I'm, your I'm, Chad Dawson newsletter. I'm gonna DM you my opinion on that fight. I'm gonna keep it real classy tonight. <laughs> But I will be t- oh. I will be tuned in for that. But uh, I'm going to slide in your DMs on that. But I just wanted to call in, show you some love. It's a topic I feel a lot about, and so keep up the great work. You know, you know, I got nothing but love for you. So I just wanted to call in and show you some love. Man, I appreciate it. You know, I, I learn from you, so people can they can point the finger when I do something awkward and be like, see, you got that from Jandra. So, I mean, I appreciate you always being <laughs> a positive role model and a mentor. And for those fans who are listening to the show, if you're not familiar with Jandra's work, you're an idiot, and you should be. Uh, she does work for Ooh. Black Sports Online. She also hosts a show every Monday, the Morning Punching Show, uh, with Raging Bay, Michelle Rosario, a.k.a. Uh, the Fe- She's a feisty little midget. I'm just going to put that out there. She's tiny <laughs> and she's feisty. I like that. Yes, now, she is. Yes, she is. She's now, a teeny tiny one. I will one, say, I, I'm going to try my best on Monday to call in and shame her for, for always saying Trinidad's the greatest Puerto Rican fighter of all times. You, you try know to get how to I cut feel you. about. Do <laughs> you know how I feel about Miguel, and, and, you know, and I'm going to touch on that here in a few moments. But, um, yeah, I, I just don't think he gets enough due from her. But, hey, whatever. So we all grew up in different eras. We all like certain fighters, whatever. I still say Cotto's the mm. best. But uh, nevertheless, folks, they, make sure you follow Ginger and her work. Like I said, Morning Punching Show every Monday. Uh, thank you for calling in. We, we got to do something here soon. You know how I feel about that. We, we, we'll, we'll touch on that off air. But we, we got to work together again here soon, huh? Because it's, it's always fun times. We'll figure it out. And I'm looking forward to your year-end uh, gifts that you give every year. So I'm looking forward to you oh, and Miss yes. Donna hooking that up. Oh, that and this year we're going to have Adam doing something on the show. So it's going to be Ooh. even more special. We're going to have two different of them. We're going to have – me and Miss Donna are going to do the video, 
but then me and Adam are going to do a show, and the show is going to be so wacky that I have planned. I don't know if Adam's going to do it or not, but what I have planned, it's going to be fun and, and kind of tasteful, I think. We'll see. Oh, that's awesome. All right, well, keep up the great work, and I will talk with you soon. Absolutely. Again, Ginger and LaBeouf, uh, Black Sports Online, uh, Morning Punching Show, my mentor. Appreciate you calling in, hon. All right. Well, that was unexpected, but right on. But, you know, as she said, man, 175 is wide open. And as well, uh, make sure you read Adam Abramowitz's work in regards to 175 Vision. Uh, SaturdayNightBoxing.com, uh, he's got a couple pieces up about that in regards to where he sees it playing out here in 2018. So I already spoke on it, so let me just dive into it. Because uh, we've got about an hour before um, Steve Forbes calls in as a part of the show. So I, I'm going to really need an hour to talk about this. This Saturday night, an era will come to an end that that hurts me that's coming to an end. It's probably the best way of saying it. Uh, Miguel Cotto is going to fight his final career bout in Madison Square Garden in New York City against Saddam Ali live on regular HBO. Thank God it's not on HBO pay-per-view. I want to stress that enough. It's on regular HBO because even as a Kodo fan, I don't know if I can, can talk myself in to dropping coin to watch Saddam Ali versus Miguel Kodo. That's another story in regards to the matchup. But we're going to talk about the man Miguel Kodo. Now, I don't see Miguel Kodo fighting again after this fight. This will be the last fight. This will be it. Um, for anyone who saw the career retrospective show that HBO did on him this past Saturday night after uh, live boxing, I thought they did a really good job, for starters. It also threw me for a loop that they actually did a show like that because, in my memory, I don't ever remember them doing a show based upon one fighter and their retirement. So for that, it, 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 was, it was special because I've never seen them do that before for a fighter. Uh, now, most cases, we don't know that's going to be a fighter's final fight going into it. A lot of fighters retire sometimes afterwards after poor performance, um, you know, a couple of weeks or months after a fight, or just they just never get another fight and they just kind of fade off. Or, you know, just a lot of things happen. But Miguel has made it clear going into 2017 that this was going to be his last active year. Um, I didn't believe it, but it looks like he's standing by that. And after seeing that, and seeing how he talked about his family and how he missed things with them, he missed graduations, he missed birthdays because of the sport of boxing and how he didn't want to miss anything else, that leads me to believe he's never coming back. This will be it. Win or lose or draw, this will be it come Saturday night for Miguel Cotto. And as someone who has been a fan of Miguel Cotto since I can remember, I have to say this, Miguel, me and Miguel are actually around the same age. I think he's only like maybe 16, 17 months even older than me. So we're actually in the same age demographic. But I look, you know, it's weird to say, I kind of look up to him as a fighter. Very odd to say that, <laughs> you know, given our age. But it seems like I've been watching him fight forever. And in reality, we really have. You know, Miguel Cotto has fought in various different weight classes, for now going on 16 years. He debuted back in 2001, uh, February 23rd. And we've seen him rise. We've seen him have his shortcomings. But 
throughout it all, we saw him be a hell of a tough fighter. And a lot of people will give him flack for some of his diva-like tendencies. Yes, I will agree that he has, you know, sometimes done things he shouldn't have. You know, after losing a fight, you know, walking out of the ring and not doing the post-fight interview, you know, not owning up to the L. I, I get it, but it is what it is. But you can never say in ring, <laughs> never say in ring in regards to the quality of fights, he ever cheated you, the fans, who were paying to watch him fight. Never, you can never say that about him. We can say that about a lot of other fighters, but throughout his career, there's not a single fight I can point at and say he melted in on. Never. It, it never happened. And for you to say that, about a fighter and say that they gave it all every fight, that's just something you have to respect and commend because in this era we're in right now, we don't have that. We don't have fighters who are willing to put it on the line and willing to fight anyone. We hear more of about, you know, it's more about money than legacy with fighters. And as Keldo got older, yes, it became more of a business-like, but if you look at the man's resume – I mean, he's fought a hell of a lot of fighters. Um, you know, he's the only guy who I can, who, that I can think of can say they fought Mayweather, they fought Pacquiao, they fought Mosley. So arguably three of the best fighters, you know, of, this, of their era, you know, between 140 and 154. Easily. Like, those three guys alone, that's a hell of a resume. Now, he did lose two out of those three fights, but he gave Mayweather hell. I still say he's gave Mayweather one of his toughest fights throughout Mayweather's career. The Manny Pacquiao fight, Manny, that was Manny's last fight where Manny was actually a beast. You know, that was actually the last, actually, I think it was the last fight Manny actually had a, uh, a TKO. That was actually Manny Pacquiao's last knockout or TKO win. That was against Miguel Cotto way back in 2009. It was just one of those things where just Manny was just too good at that time. But you look at, like I said, you look at his resume. You got, like I said, Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather Shea Mosley, Manny Pacquiao, Austin Trout, Saul Canelo Alvarez, Sergio Martinez, but he was a shell of himself. Let's just keep it real there. Austin Trout, Antonio Margarito, Ricardo Mayorga, uh, Joshua Clotty, uh, Zab Judah. So in Polly Molinaz, you can't throw out, can't forget about Polly because Polly took a beating that fight, hung in there. So the Punch the Face radio poll this week was, what was your favorite uh, career Miguel, Miguel Cotto moment? And the fans said their favorite moments, oh, this is the option, yeah, yeah, Miguel, the, yeah, the Margarito fights, the Zab Judah fight, Shane Mosley fight, or his overall stacked resume. 13% of the votes went to the Zab Judah fight. Uh, that was a fantastic fight um, there in New York. Um, Zab had a lot of heart, but just was outgunned that night. Uh, he ended up losing the stoppage. The ref finally stepped in and, and caught the TKO uh, for Miguel Cotto. Hell of a fight, a fun fight. Uh, that was at 13%. At 27% each was Shane Mosley fight and then the, um, the overall stacked resume. Uh, the Shane Mosley fight was one of those to where Mosley – when he fought, that was actually for Okoto, it was right after Zab Judah. So it's not like he took a break off and took another soft touch. He went right back into another top five, top three guy 
during the division when he fought Shane Mosley. And that was it, you know, for the welterweight title. He ended up winning a unanimous decision there. A very entertaining fight. I actually remember watching that at home. Loved that fight. It was a great fight. Uh, that Cotto just, again, just outskilled uh, Mosley down the stretch to win that fight. And like I said, the overall resume, that also got 27%. But then with 33% of the votes, uh, went to the Margarito fights. And the Margarito fights are kind of one of those things that kind of leave a weird taste in your mouth. It's one of those things to where we find out later that more than likely Margarito had loaded gloves that night. You know, it's weird there because some people say, well, it was never criminally investigated. You know, the the glove wraps were never tested. But it also seemed very odd that, you know, Margarito's next fight, he got caught with those plastic gloves when he tried to fight Shane Mosley. So, you know, go figure. And then you had the rematch, and that was after Margarito had been in a hellacious fight uh, with Manny Pacquiao, where he, where the fight really should have been stopped. Uh, he was suffering irreversible damage to his eye. Um, you know, it was a chance the fight may not even actually happen because it's one of those things to where it was t- it was going to be questionable if Margarito was even going to get cleared by the New York State Athletic Commission. He did, and then once he did get cleared, Cotto went in to finish the job. And since then, he has left. Margarito is being completely irrelevant fighting down in Mexico. So that leaves us now here to Saturday night. Saturday night, we're going to see the last of, of a dying breed. You know, now that he is gone, now that Shane Mosley's retired, I'll even throw Tim Bradley in this in this column and Juan Manuel Marquez. These were guys who were fighters, like legit fighters. Like business came secondary to fighting, wanted to fight the best. It was never a big thing about money. It was always wanting to fight the best, the money will come. Miguel Cotto retiring, we don't have any of that left anymore. That's all gone. We don't have any more fighters out there that we can honestly point our finger at and say, this guy wants to fight the best and get the check secondary. We don't have that. And like I said, I, I understand that for boxers, you have to make the judgment call of longevity and, and earning potential. I get it, but just unfortunately in the sport right now, it's too much of pandering and jockeying position instead of wanting to just fight each other and fight the best. Similar to what Ginger was saying here moments ago in regards to Donna Stevenson. You know, he's pandering on social media, you know, flashing his jewelry, his Lamborghini, you know, and what have you, and talking about guys calling him out, you need to call out, hey, man, no, you, you need to fight the best. You need to fight other champions. And that's not happening. <clears throat> that happened with Miguel Cotto throughout his career. He was willing to fight the best and, and willing to put it all on line. At times he came up short. Um, you know, he took on the young line until Canelo Alvarez. He was completely undersized in that fight. Remember, I got to see that fight live in Vegas. He was completely undersized, but guess what? He still fought, and Canelo couldn't stop him, never, never knocked him down or anything like that. So he was willing to fight the best. Unfortunately, here for the last fight, I, I wish it would have been against a bigger-name opponent, but Saddam Ali is the one who decided to step up. He's the one who's willing to do it. 
He's one of the ones to um, to to dare to be great, and you know this is an opportunity. It's his opportunity to make um to make a big deal, to make a splash, and he's got the the opportunity to now do that. Now, will he be able to do that? Doubt it. I look for Ali to be game, but Ali's moving up in weight. Um, let, let's face it, he is not a legitimate um, super middleweight. You know, he's moving up to 154. Uh, he's fought at 140 and 147. So he's not a legitimate 154 guy. And it's not like Miguel's Cotto's huge for 154, but he's fought so much more recently at it that where, to where it's going to be more natural for him. Um, like I said, Ali will be game. He'll be game for a couple of rounds. Uh, Miguel will put the pressure on him. Honestly, don't look for this fight to go past um, past uh, eight rounds. I look for Miguel Cole to get the stoppage within ten, but more than likely may go eight. Um, I, I just don't see Ali being able to do much there. And, you know, Ali is facing a hard puncher in Miguel Cotto. Miguel Cotto can still punch. Make no mistake about it. And Ali's chin, kind of questionable. You know, he got knocked out uh, by Jesse Vargas here almost uh, a year and a half ago. And Jesse Vargas isn't a huge puncher, but does pack enough of a punch to lay somebody down. You know, ask Tim Bradley how that works. So <clears throat> he's facing a harder puncher in Cotto. I don't see Ali being able uh, to pick up a uh, the win here. So, what you know, if he's able to pull off an upset, I, I'd be stunned. But I just don't see it happening. Now, uh, also on that card there in New York, see who else is here on that card. Uh, we've got uh, Ray Vargas versus Oscar Nuarte. Uh Ronnie Rios is on the card. Uh, Jason Quigley, another guy that um, – Golden Boy's really excited about. Uh, Eddie Gomes is also on that card as well. So, uh, you know, an opportunity to feature some of the fighters there for them. Um, and this is going to be the last hurrah for, for Miguel. So I'm kind of surprised we're not seeing more of the guys he promotes from Miguel Cotto Promotions uh, being a part on the card and getting an opportunity to be seen. But... Uh, that'll be the next phase of Miguel Cotto's career, being a promoter uh, down the line. So we'll see. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how that transitions for him. And like I said, our guest later tonight, uh, Steve Forbes, he's doing that transition right now to where he's transitioning from a fighter. He's now been retired in about three or four years now to where he's now getting in the promotional game. Uh, so we'll talk to him about that transition and how that may how, – how it's uh, – how fighters – what do they do during that downtime, and what makes them flip that switch to where they still want to be involved in boxing when they no longer actually physically fight um, themselves? So there is that. Now, I'm kind of done talking boxing right now, so Steve calls in, but I do want to touch on a few MMA things. So there's a UFC this weekend that I had zero idea about, zero clue about. I don't know if I'm just that much desensitized or that much out of caring about MMA, but I had no idea there was a UFC this weekend. None. And it's a shame that these cards are – they're out, but they're just 
seems like they're poorly promoted. At least they seem like they're poorly promoted to me. Now, like I said, maybe it's because I've just kind of grown tired of the UFC product. It is what it is. Now, they have a rematch here in the main event, which is going to be Jose Aldo versus Max Holloway uh, for the featherweight championship. Uh, this is a rematch from a fight that they just had here over the summer where Jose Aldo got TKO'd in the third round. The only reason why this is happening is because injuries, <coughs> original opponents had fell out for Max Holloway. So instead, he gets a rematch with Jose Aldo. Uh, just like in boxing, I hate rematches. I want us to see more fresh fights, more fresh uh, matchups. Sometimes we don't always get that wish. And we're not getting that in the main event there. Maybe that's why I'm not all that enthused about this card. Now, the two fights that I think that are going to be the saving grace, actually maybe three fights that are going to be the saving grace of this card. One is a heavyweight fight between Alistair Overeem and uh, Francisco's Nagano. Um, Nagano is kind of the guy that the UFC is looking upon as being maybe the future of the heavyweight division. Uh, with a lot of flat-out just old guys, in the heavyweight division, him being 31, he's kind of one of the younger guys there in the division. It's kind of weird to say a 31-year-old is extremely young for the division. Who knew? But, you know, he wins over Alistair Overeem, huge win, puts him possibly in a title fight, his next fight out. That should be an interesting fight because both of those guys can bang. It, it won't go three rounds. It won't happen. Another fight, uh, Eddie Alvarez versus Justin Gaethje. Uh, Justin Gaethje is the former lightweight champion for the World Series of Fighting. Uh, everyone knows I'm a huge fan of Justin Gaethje. I think he brings the violence every time he fights. Uh, Eddie Alvarez, former Bell Bellator champion, uh, former um, UFC lightweight champion, really has not been the same since he got his soul took by Conor McGregor last year. Um, big fight for him because some are going to say that, you know, maybe maybe he was all hype. Maybe he got lucky against Rafael Dos Santos. Uh, his other wins were split decision wins over Anthony Pettis and Gilbert Melendez uh, here in the UFC. Uh, and also his debut was a loss, knockout loss. Uh, excuse me, United States loss, Daniel, um, the Donald Cowboy Cerrone. So, I mean, his his run here in the UFC hasn't been great. And this, I don't want to say it's going to be his last go because they're thin there, they'll keep him there, but... As far as him being relevant in regards to title picture, at least going into 2018, must win for him. For Justin Gaethje, he's really playing with house money because a lot of people still aren't convinced that he is as good as I've always hyped him to be, but all he does is go out and he batters opponents. Uh, he did that during his time at World Series of Fighting, did that in his UFC debut against Michael Johnson. He's going to hurt you when you get in the cage against him. It's it's not even an option of you're, if you're going to get hurt or not. You're going to get hurt. It's just how bad. And that's why I've always liked watching Justin Gaethje fight. He's, he has a lot of wrestling skills, just to use enough to use them. He likes to stand up and brawl and bang. Uh, the fight with Eddie Alvarez, there's no way in the world that that fight's going to stink. That's going to steal the card there at UFC 218. Another fight, though, this should be also interesting, is, is the women's strolly division, Tisha Torres versus Michelle Watterson. Uh, two talented ladies, two women who uh, need a win over the opposite to kind of catapult themselves within the strollway division. Uh, we have a new champion there. 
there will be contenders who need to be lined up eventually uh, for Rosemont and Eunice after she has a rematch uh, with uh, Joe Jacek. So the winner of this fight puts themselves in prime position to maybe being another fight away in 2018 to being in line for a title fight, uh, maybe mid to late part of next year. So, you know, overall, it's a decent card here besides the the, the, um, the rehashing of the main event. Uh, unfortunately for the UFC, though, this is the same night. Miguel Cotto's fighting, so there's no way in the world I'm going to watch the fight or pay much attention to it. I will be more focused on boxing. Uh, and, and that's happened a lot here. We're seeing a lot more of these fights overlap to what we're seeing, UFCs and MMA cards all at the same time, and it's just... I hate when that happens. I know that's actually going to happen here uh, again here in January as well. With HBO and Showtime having a card at the same time. Hell, it's going to happen here next week uh, as Orlando Salido's fight on HBO is going to air at the same time as Lomachenko versus Guillermo Rigondeaux on ESPN. It, it, it happens in boxing. I don't like it. I never have liked it. Whatever. It is what it is. Uh, but We'll see. We'll see how that happens and how that, that all works out. So there is all of that that goes down here uh, for the UFC. Also another MMA thing I want to speak on is I got an email uh, from Ryzen or Risen. I, I heard it enunciated several different ways. Their MMA promotion out of uh, Japan. They have very weird matchups and weird fights, but uh, for anyone who knows anything about watching Jap- uh, Japanese television, they do a lot of weird things over there. Uh, MMA is going to be no different. They have a woman who is 55 or I think she's 55 or 53 years old. I want to say she's a pro wrestler. Uh, she's going to be facing a Brazilian jiu-jitsu champion um, and Gabby, oh, and, and her last name escapes me. Uh, but, but Gabby is a monstrous woman. She is huge uh, for a woman. Um, Kind of scary, truth be told. She's a one of the training partners and friends of uh, uh, Chris Cyborg, uh, Gabby Garcia. That's her name. Uh, Gabby Garcia. She's a nine-time World Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Uh, she's a Pan American champion. She's an eight-time World Champion. Uh, she's won no gi championships and and what have you. And gi championships for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, she's a monster when it comes to Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, she's going to be taking on a pro wrestler here in Japan. Um, you know, people were making fun of the fight, and i got to give Gabby credit. Her response was like, uh, it's not bad, it's easy money. So for her, you know, knock herself out, go get them checks. But it's something as far as competitive goes, it's a shame uh, that, that Risen, Ryzen, whatever, however they want to enunciate it, is putting on these freak shows and, and wanting people to pay for it and watch it. Here in the States, um, I think you'd have to pay for the pay-per-view here, but whatever. Uh, just something just, just doesn't sound entertaining at all. It sounds really awful. But, again, man, it is what it is. This is what, this is what we've come to here in, the, in MMA. We have these weird, unnecessary fights. Um, Bellator also announced in regards to MMA this week uh, the lineup for their World Heavyweight Grand Prix. The tournament, we're not going to have a champion in 2018. Despite what they may say, I don't see it happening. Uh, they have fights. Uh, they have four first-round fights that don't start here until January, I want to say, and the last first-round fight isn't until May. It really makes no sense uh, to stretch it out that far. 
Uh, so you have your final uh, Grand Prix fight being in May. You know, how quickly are these guys going to have to turn around? It's unfair to the fighters who fight in May to, if they get a short, have to have a shorter turnaround than somebody who fights the, the fight in January. So it's, it's strange all the way around. Um, very odd uh, what they're doing there, but it, it's Bellator. Bellator has been doing some strange things uh, in regards to to what they do in their promotion and, and, and what have you. So I don't get it, but whatever. Uh, whatever folks, people's vote in that regards that they find interesting and find uh, to be entertaining still uh, with that promotion. But that's my MMA rant here uh, for the day. Now, you heard us kind of talking earlier, and it's a shame that 2018 hasn't even come yet. And we're still, you know, a, a month and some change in 2017. And we're talking about Adrian Broner having another arrest warrant. Um, I'm not sure if he has served himself in yet. I do know when the news broke about him having an arrest warrant out for him. Uh, his Snapchat had him in the club and then ordering Domino's pizza afterwards and eating that with hot sauce and ranch dressing. I don't know what, what Adrian Broner's doing, but, you know, the slippery slope he's on, it's a shame. Now, speaking of a shame, we already know a fight that's kind of being worked on. Uh, you know, it was initially reported, and I should ask Omar about this, that um, he was going to fight Adrian Broner at some junctures. We actually talked about here uh, for this month, but obviously that didn't come to fruition. There's also been talk of Adrian Broner challenging for one of the uh, titles here at 140 against Sir, Sergey Lipitz. Uh, and challenging for his title. Uh, now word is coming out here today that uh, Adrian Broner may face Danny Garcia at a fight at 147 at some point here next year. Uh, sounds like January of next year. The fight completely makes no sense whatsoever. Um, I, I don't even know where to begin with that. Um, what makes – what does that fight do? Adrian Broner is not a welterweight. Danny Garcia only fights once a year, so it would make sense for him to try to get his fight booked here for the first quarter of 2018 because that's the only time he fights. Um, you know, that it just doesn't make sense. And, and unfortunately, we get these matchups from here and there that just make no sense. Now, some people are excited about it because of the name recognition. And I, I get it. I mean, the names, it, 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 it kind of sizzles a little bit, but... What does the fight do for the fighter? You know, it does more for Adrian Broner than what it would Danny Garcia. But even still, if, if Adrian Broner wins, are we looking at him as being now legitimate welterweight? Uh, or, you know, are they going to contest this fight at 140? Is, is Danny Garcia going to go down? I thought he had way trouble with that. <coughs> the fight doesn't make a whole lot of, lot of sense for either fighter involved. So why is it being talked about is beyond me, but I get it. They're in-house fighters. I mean, it, it's it's what PBC does. They're in-house fighters. It's easy to make. They can throw a lot of money at each other, and boom, the fight's done. Still doesn't mean I'll watch it or think it's uh, entertaining <clears throat> or an entertaining bout. It just doesn't make much sense to me. But that looks to be the fight uh, that's being worked on. Uh, also as well, um, another guy that I thought, you know, Adrian Bruner may possibly face, Lucas Matisse. Matisse is going to return uh, back to the rink here uh, January 27th, oddly enough, which could be the same night 
Uh, Showtime has a card on. Lucas Matisse and Golden Boy will be putting on a card on HBO. Uh, also on the same card, it's going to be Jorge Linares, now not fighting Mikey Garcia. Uh, Matisse is going to be facing uh, Tawan Perrin uh, for vacant uh, title of some sorts. I don't know which sanctioning body. Who knows? Um, Linares is going to be defending his championship title against uh, Marcicio Gase, or Gas. So that's going to be the first card of the year for HBO. Um, unfortunately, for both Matisse and Linares, they're fighting and they're staying active, but they're fighting against guys that no one really wanted them to fight against. It's not competitive fights. It's not fights that make a lot of sense in regards to the bigger picture of things. It does, just doesn't make sense. But that's the fight we're going to get from both of these guys. We're going to get that fight, which is a, a shame if you think about it that, you know, Jorge Linares had, has really had a, a great run over the last two years that now this is the fight that he's going to get on HBO. Uh, you know, after having a, a tough go and losing a lot of tough fights and really having to go overseas to build his career back up, and now that he's kind of built his career back up and he's on HBO, you know, he can't get marquee names. You know, the, the Mikey Garcia fight would have made so much more sense. It uh, would have been great if the fight could have actually happened. It didn't. Um, but, you know, who knows what, what's going to happen uh, going forward. You know, Mikey may be fighting at 140. He may be dropping his belt here at 135. We'll see. I don't get it. Uh, like, like I said, the Lucas Matisse fight, you know, Lucas hasn't fought in so long. And, again, another guy that I was hoping would get a bigger name as a return fight. And it'll be interesting to see because Golden Boy's roster is thin. Let, let's let's just call it what it is. They need guys like Lucas Matisse to, to continue to win. And they can headline possibly, you know, shows and cards for them on HBO and even – maybe to a lesser extent even ESPN if they decide to go that route. Don't think they'll ever see him on ESPN, but you never know. Um, they, they need guys like Jorge Linares to win and retain their titles because that can leverage them into bigger bouts down the line. So, you know, cards like this I don't particularly love uh, here on January 27th, but it's one of those things that's kind of the, the necessary evil, if you will, in boxing. And, and unfortunately we have a lot of these fights that are the unnecessary evils in boxing. And this is one of those cards that will be for both um, both Lenares and for Matisse uh, down the line. So those guys will be fighting then on HBO here on uh, January 27th. But like I said, man, we're going to get that card, the same that is possibly a card on Showtime. We'll, we'll see who that will be, but more than likely it's Mikey Garcia versus somebody there at that date. You know, it was also being rumored that date as well it was going to be Adonis Stevenson versus uh, Badu Jack. We'll see if Adonis Stevenson is on that card that night because he is still uh, scheduled to fight at some juncture here early part of 2018. So, yeah, man, that, there's that. And then uh, next week, next week is really interesting as well. Uh, Guillermo Rigondeaux versus Lomachenko. Uh, we'll get into that here with Adam Abramowitz. Uh, we're still trying to lock down um, Shakur Stevenson. will be fighting on that card. We're hoping to get him on during that um, during next week's show. We're hoping to get that can get locked down and that can get in. 
um, and have him back, have him or her on the air here during fight week. Um, another fighter will be back in action a little bit sooner than than expected and back on HBO. I know this is a good thing. It's going to be uh, Cletus Seldon. Uh, Cletus Seldon, you know, I, I kind of made fun of it a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago when Adam was on the show prior to uh, his fight here on HBO. Um, during the uh, the uh, Daniel Jacobs Luce Arza card, um, his promoter Star Boxing ended up getting a slot on HBO. HBO ended up loving Cletus Seldon and, and loving his work rate uh, as he picked up a win here. It was uh, two three weeks ago. That's where they're bringing him back. Uh, he's getting an opportunity to face Ives Use, uh, Useless Jr. here December 16th in Quebec. So instead of fighting in uh, the New York area, he's actually going to go up to Canada and he's going to fight. Um, you know, shout out to him, man. He's going to be fighting again in such a short amount of time, but he also wants to get himself in the talks for titles here at 140. Uh, Seldon feels that he is kind of being overlooked uh, by some of the other names that are out there, and by beating you know, and winning his fight here on the 16th, uh, he feels that he's going to get himself in a good place and a good opportunity uh, to be challenged for one of these titles and maybe one, make one of these sanctioning bodies have to give him a fight. So uh, good to see that they're actually doing that. Uh, good to see that they're actually getting him uh, back on air that quickly. So uh, this is going to be the first time in a real long time they're going to have somebody uh, fighting so quickly um, back on air. So, you know, good for Cletus uh, and good for Star Boxing that uh, he's willing they found him fight. He's willing to take the fight uh, pretty much in about a five-week gap in between uh, his first fight on HBO and now uh, his second fight. So kudos to him. Uh, he's doing more than a lot of other active fighters uh, are doing, whether it be they're getting on television or not. He's willing uh, to take a fight short notice, um, you know, four weeks, um, pretty much four weeks notice, boom, takes the fight. He had a good fight. Didn't take suffer a lot of damage here um, a couple of weeks ago. So hey, good for him. I'm gonna go read some here, some Twitter feedback that we got here in regards to the show. Um, do, 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 do. Let's see here. So uh, where do we want to start? Let's start here with um, boom. All right, uh, my man um, Black Jordan Brennan uh, in regards to Broner Garcia, dumbest fight to make. Doesn't help either. I agree. Horrible fight. Horrible fight. Doesn't help out either. Makes no sense. Uh, oh, well, the lovely Miss Donna Marie, uh, D. Marie, as we call her, my, my mom. Shout out to Miss Donna, 61 on Twitter. Uh, in regards to Miguel Cotto, she puts out a very sad gift of, of, of uh, a little kid crying. It's the truth, man. We're going to be very sad here at our house. We will be watching uh, the Cotto fight live here on HBO at our house, um, probably eating Mexican food of some sorts. I don't know. But it'll be it'll be lit regardless. Um, so shout out to Miss Donna for checking in there uh, as well. Um, what else we got here? We've got uh, – we have uh, – Milo Clay says, uh, I guess he told you. In regards to Guillermo Rigondeaux's response to me asking about um, – whether he's still going to be vocal on social media in regards to the Lomachenko fight, he didn't tell me off. Let me let me let, let's be clear. I didn't get told off by Guillermo Rigondeaux. It was actually very uh, was wasn't even a scorching response. It was literally this is the question I asked him. 
if you take an L next week, we continue to be this vocal on social media or fade away. Wasn't anything disrespectful for it. I was like, if you take an L. Because quite honestly, I think this is going to be a very competitive fight next week. I'll give my official prediction on next week's show. But like I said, Guillermo Rigondeaux's Twitter handler handled it and it wasn't disrespectful at all. I will continue to be myself. Losing to a guy, Lomachenko is nothing to be ashamed of. However, losing to me is nothing but a guarantee so far. So you respect the confidence of Guillermo Rigondeaux's Twitter handler in regards to his um, his well-being and being able to do that. Um, another report out that I got some Twitter feedback on uh, is that Conor McGregor got in a bar fight over in Ireland here over the weekend. Uh, he might have assaulted or hit. He had some sort of altercation of some sort with some sort of uh, gang, mob leader. I'm not sure what, how they titled him there over in Ireland. Um, um, but he's some sort of crime boss-related guy or or is a crime boss of some sort. But regardless, he got into something, uh, got into an altercation with a member of a crime family over in Ireland, punched him, and now people are pretty fearful of Conor McGregor's well-being and safety. That's not good. Um, you just made a ton of cash fighting a boxing fight. Uh, you're the most one of the most recognizable stars in mixed martial arts. Uh, you have Budweiser commercials. Uh, you're doing commercials for apps and other things. And, you know, you, you, your family, man, you got a kid. Now the last thing you need to be doing is getting drunken brawls in Ireland, and then hitting people that you don't know who you're hitting. You know, I've said that, you know, if he dies, he dies. Uh, you got to watch your actions when you're at a certain level. But you can leave the hood, but you can't get the hood out of some, some people. That's kind of McGregor's case. I mean, there's no reason whatsoever at this juncture of his career he should be drinking in a bar, fist fighting anyone. If someone's picking an altercation with you, you're at a point you're rich enough to where you should have security with you, period, because people will test you. You know, I, I know you want to be a common person, and I get that, but when you talk the talk, you talk, like Conor McGregor does, you, you got to sometimes think ahead, and he's not. So people are worried about him his well safety over there in Ireland. I can't feel bad for him at all. Um, you assault anybody, you got to watch your back. You assault someone who's possibly a, a part of some sort of crime uh, organization, you really have to watch your back. And, and those guys over there, well, I've heard in all indications, are pretty ruthless. Not a good look for Conor McGregor right now. But, again, hey, he made his bed. He's got to lie in it. I don't feel sorry for him at all. So there is that uh, in regards to your, your Conor McGregor update. Uh, it just seems like he's kind of – He's one of those guys who always seems to be doing some dumb shit somewhere. Uh, the UFC has said they're not sure if he's ever going to fight again uh, for them. He's made so much money from boxing. Uh, Floyd Mayweather here over the summer to where it may not even happen. Uh, Dana White said in a, um, I guess in an interview, a press conference with media yesterday that they're not sure. They got to first see if they can get a, get a deal done. Uh, Conor McGregor has said in the past that if he does come back and he fights again, he wants a piece, he wants a percentage of the UFC because he's felt he's made the company that much money to where he's worth it and should be given the opportunity to own a, a piece of the company. I respect that to, a, to an extent. You know, I understand that to an extent, but it's kind of crazy 
uh, to think that you can just start demanding and saying, I need I need this off top before I do anything. It, it's a crazy idea to think that that's what we're coming to, but unfortunately that may be what they're coming to in the UFC in regards to Conor McGregor and him doing and fighting for them. So uh, who knows, man? Who knows? It's it, It's a very interesting time for him and for the UFC. So there's that. But uh, as we're waiting on C Forbes to call in, you can call in to be a part of the show. Area code nine two nine four seven seven three one six five. That is the the number to dial in. Uh, again, I want to thank uh, callers there. I want to thank uh, my mentor Giandra for calling in. I want to thank Omar Figueroa as well. I appreciate everyone hanging in there through the uh, few seconds of technical difficulties. Um, hopefully, if you're listening to the show here, the replay on iTunes, uh, we got everything together and everything kind of meshes as being one giant show. Uh, so do apologize about that. We're looking at. Uh, Steve Forbes, who may be calling here in the next, I guess, 10 to 15 minutes from now, uh, to talk about uh, his um, his promotional gig. And now he's doing a boxing promotion. Uh, so we'll talk to him here in a few moments about that. I'm um, thinking, is there anything else here in boxing that I am missing? Oh, man. Let's see. So there's also been a story on ESPN, and I guess it was also reported by some other outlets here, um, that a H- HIV-positive fighter uh, was able to falsify some test results in Arkansas and was able to actually box. Um, it's crazy to think that somebody was able to circumvent their records to box. And why would they why are they why would they be so selfish to actually want to fight? I I I can't wrap my head around that. Now the fighter's name has not been released <laughs> obviously due uh to uh you know legal proceedings. You can't just release somebody's medical name and information out there because he may not want he may have hasn't told people that he knows or is close by these HIV positive. But nevertheless, he can't be HIV positive in boxing. You can't do that. That's not fair to your opponents. That's not fair to the commission. That's not fair to anyone involved. And even your sparring partners and your coaches, your cut man, that's not fair to them if you're not disclosing and telling people this information, you know, before you go out and you fight. Now, he did fight uh, on a uh, four-round, four-car bout uh, before, like they said, it was 102 people at a Boys and Girls Club in Camden, Arkansas, uh, even though he was uh, nationally, he was on a national suspend registry. Wow. Now, he's on a national registry, and they were still able to let him fight. Now, Arkansas does not require blood testing uh, prior uh, to their fights. So that's something that's actually not required uh, as being a part of their medical examinations uh, to obtain a license from the state. Um, but there is a federal law the state's commissions are supposed to check the fight facts to make sure any fighter who is attempting to get a license in said state is not on that national suspend registry. And obviously, 
that wasn't done here by the state of Arkansas. So this is just it's just sad all the way around. You got a guy who's obviously still wanting to fight, but can't due to his his situation, <clears throat> lying on documents to get a fight. And it's not like he's fighting in front of, you know, he's falsifying documents to get a big payday. I mean, he's fought in front of 102 people. We have more than that to listen to the show every week. So it's not like he was fighting in front of a large audience to risk so many people just to have a fight. You're lying on your documents about having AIDS or having HIV. Yo, man, to the Arkansas Commission and to this fighter in question. You've got to be one sick bastard to be willing and 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 just so evil to long documents to get a fight just to satisfy yourself when you're putting so many people at risk. That is just sick. That's sad. That's disturbing. Um, shame on the Arkansas Athletic Commission for them not doing their work. Shame on this fighter for being selfish and, and putting himself above other safeties, other people's safety. It's just just bad all the way around uh, that this was even able to happen. So I, I hope that the fighter that was involved, that he fought against, uh, didn't uh, suffer any cuts. Uh, I hope that, you know, the athletic – I hope he sues the athletic commission, uh, truth be told. I hope he sues Arkansas's athletic commission uh, because them not doing their proper work put him at risk. And anyone else who was around this fighter during that time, who could have been, been exposed to these sort of fluids, especially blood, uh, they should sue the athletic commission as well because there's no reason that guy should have been in a boxing arena being an active fighter, period, period. And I know we've seen this with Tommy Morrison where he was fighting in any casinos and having people sign waivers, and when he say no, he didn't have HIV, but he really did and was still trying to uh, have some kind of weird semblance of a fight career. You know, when people are that selfish, it just shows how sick they are mentally, that they haven't accepted that they have this disease and that they can spread it to others and do harm to others. They're so selfish and so wrapped around what they have going on that they're not willing to take a step back and look at the bigger picture. It's a shame. It's a real shame for that. But this is this is the world we live in nowadays. We have people who are more more wrapped around what's going on with them than actually what's the most important thing, and that's everyone's safety. So real shame that that actually happened. But you can read that story on ESPN.com uh, in regards to the, um, the, the this fighter getting cleared um, to fight in Arkansas because people didn't do their due diligence. What a shame, what a shame. Uh, if you're also on social media, uh, make sure you're following Floyd Mayweather on his Instagram uh, I see gallivants around China uh, and dressing in very funny outfits. It's probably the best way of describing it. Uh, he's on one of his world tours, if you will. Uh, it's a quote-unquote luxury vacation in China. Uh, he did shoot, you know, there was, was rumors floating around uh, back into last week that it was he was contemplating a return. Um, he's not contemplating a return. He shot those rumors down. He's not returning to boxing. He's done. Look here. If he's having these luxury, luxurious vacations, 
Uh, eventually, he may end up coming back to boxing because the man likes to blow money and, and not pay his taxes accordingly. Uh, but he's not coming out of retirement. I, I, don't, I don't see that in any circumstance happening unless he just completely goes broke over the next, you know, few years, the next two to three years. He has something catastrophic that happens with Mayweather promotions to where he has to come back to to right the ship or to to put money back in the company. You know, otherwise than that, he's done. Uh, you won't see him ever fight again. Uh, no Triple G, no Conor McGregor rematch, no Manny Pacquiao rematch, nothing of the sorts. He's done. Um, if anything, anytime you start hearing about him returning to boxing, look at the bigger picture. There's going to be something else business venture-wise is going on with him to where he's wanting to get his name back out there. Case in point, the reason why all this is buzzing around is he's opening up a gym in Los Angeles. So, you know, keep, keep in mind, you know, he, Floyd's a smart guy. He wants his name buzzing out there because he has another business venture he's working on. So never think that this isn't some sort of ulterior motive or something else he's working on. There's always something. His mind is clicking. He got his name out there because he's trying. Uh, he's going to be opening a, uh, I think it's a Mayweather Boxing and Fitness uh, there in Los Angeles. So, like I said, no truth to him uh, returning back to the ring. Uh, but he's got his name out there because, hey, that gym is opening up here sooner. may actually be open up now out there in Los Angeles. So, uh, yeah, keep that in mind, folks, that, that he's not coming back. Let it go. Move on. Uh, we have other fighters in 147 uh, that we should cheer on. Uh, they did have the press conference today for Earl Spence and Lamont Peterson, which should be a very interesting fight uh, when that goes down here next uh, next year. I, I wish we didn't have to wait so long to see Kel, uh, to see we see um, Earl Spence fight against since fighting Kel Brook. Uh, he did say something interesting today in the press conference. I don't know if he's just saying this to hype the fight, but he did say that he thought Lamont Peterson was a better fighter than Kel Brook. I don't know if I'm going to go that far. I think Lamont Peterson is an extremely skilled fighter. Better than Kel Brook is debatable, but all right, I'll give you what you need. Um, Peterson also, you know, said in, a, uh, in, in some comments that, you know, he did spar against uh, Earl Spence years ago uh, and thought he had something special back then and knew he was going to be a champion. So uh, nothing but polite things to say about each other here during the press conference. Uh, that fight will go down to the Barclays Center. Uh, then you go get a, through Ticketmaster, you can go get tickets. I do know they're offering, uh, are still offering a discount on tickets. I think it's like a 15% off deal uh, through Cyber Cyber Monday, and I think it's still, still still going on now. And as well, if you're in New York, uh, same, it's like two weeks from what I'm saying this. If you're in New York, um, MSG, uh, Box Office, uh, Ticketmaster.com, there are still tickets available uh, for Miguel Cotto versus Saddam Ali here this Saturday. So, uh, opportunities to see fights here in New York uh, for in abundance. So I know a lot of fight fans are not happy that Spence Peterson is in New York. Some thought it should have been in D.C. Uh, some even said, why not even Vegas? Make it a truly neutral sh- site. I don't think either one of those guys have that kind of um, fan base to where they can try to do a fight in Vegas. D.C. would have made a lot of sense uh, being the Petersons from that area, but, you know, I don't know if that's completely fair to the champion to have to go in his first side of defense. It gets a tough opponent going in their backyard. 
But we've also seen with Earl Spence, he's willing to go across the, um, the country and, and fight, you know, in a different country to fight Kell Brook to win his title. So I, I get it, you know, being in Brooklyn. I know uh, Lou DeBello is promoting the fight. Uh, they have a, a pretty good deal with Brooklyn Boxing there in the Barclays Center. So I get it. That's why the fight is being done there. But do kind of wish it was maybe a different site um, and it could maybe have more fans available for it because I'm not sure how well that fight's going to sell in New York right now, uh, given the fact Peterson hasn't fought in so long. Um, the momentum that Earl Spence had after beating Kell Brook is pretty much all but gone. You know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that plays out, uh, both those guys, what kind of crowd, crowd we get. But I think we're going to get a good fight regardless of how many people in the stands to sit and watch it. Uh, joining us here in a few moments will be Steve Forbes. Uh, he's the former IBF Super Featherweight Champion. Uh, he is now doing his thing as a promoter, and he'll have his first car promoted here uh, next week up in the Portland area. So we we'll to talk to him about that. Uh, so he sh- uh, should be coming, at, coming in here any moment uh, to be part of the show. Um, and that looks like that may be him calling in now. So, all right, you are live here on Punch the Face Radio. It was a Rico, 100, Austin 100, other guy. That's it. 200 bucks for a boat. You know what I mean? Yeah. You say 800 bucks. You're live on Punch Space Radio. Yeah, this is Steve Forbes calling in. What's going on, Steve, man? How you doing this evening? I'm doing good. How you doing? Oh, man, not bad at all. I appreciate you joining us here as uh, you embark in being a fight promoter here uh, December the 9th. Uh, Jackson Armory here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, fans can get tickets through TicketTomatoes.com and just search boxing. Uh, Steve, man, what in the world made you decide to get into the promotional game after years of being a pro fighter? I've always wanted to do that. You know, it, you know, I've always kind of wanted to promote myself, but you know, I, I would just I couldn't at that time. So I've always thought. You know what? It'd be a good idea to come back to my hometown since they don't have professional boxing here anymore, and kind of jumpstart, you know, kind of a, a fight series, you know, and especially with you know the amateur guys because when I fought here, I mostly did it as you know it was an amateur and um, we didn't have the pro fight, so the amateurs were the big guys, you know, and it was fun, man. So I, I thought, why not incorporate them both together because, you know, it's not. This is not a big place, but we got a lot of talent here, so why not? So it sounds like it's very important for you to give not only the guys who are turning pro, but these amateurs a platform to showcase their skills to where you, you, it's not there in Portland for those guys to do that. So is it very important for you to give this, this next generation of fighters that platform and that, that stepping stone of, of being in front of a crowd and getting used to that as their careers uh, go on in boxing? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I want to give, you know, guys an opportunity. You know, I had to I had to like move away to Vegas to kind of, to start my career and I and I love Vegas for accepting me, you know, as as a boxer there and stuff like that, but you know, guys don't have to move away to become successful, you know, and and I figured, hey, I did all that work and you know, I was put in that pro being a pro 20 years and you know, getting to the heights of becoming a world champion, it was it was my duty to come back to my hometown and, and kind of help and look after the other guys, you know, coming up and work with, you know, a lot of the coaches and, 
a lot of the, the you know the coaches and the trainers and the officials here too, man. We got some good people here in our Northwest, you know that that know boxing and they love boxing. So I had to do it, you know. If it wasn't me, I don't know who. It would have been you know the next kid coming along in the, in the next 15, 20 years after their career was over. So I definitely wanted to to do that, and I've always thought about doing that. Now, in your 20 career, 20 years of, of being, you know, a professional fighter, what did you learn from dealing with promoters that would be that's going to be helpful for you, and also something you want to stay away from in dealing with the fighters that you have to deal dealt with dealing with promoters throughout your career? Well, I, you know what, I, I, I want to be straight, straight with them. You know, kind of tell them like, like, like my card here. This card is evenly matched fights. You know, these guys, either guy is capable of beating the other guy. And I kind of want to be straight and say, hey, you know what? This is where we're at. And in order to kind of move forward, you got to kind of break through, break in. So, you know, and, you know, I want to be straight with them. I want to be able to talk to them. I want to be able to come watch, you know, the guys, the fighters work to make sure that they're in condition to compete. So me being a fighter, I'm, I'm, I think I'm more fighter than anything else, like my attitude and and my grit is, is from a fighter because I've been through everything, man. Like, I've experienced from the promoter that's happy to see you to, you know, just one walking by you like they don't even know you, you know. And so, you know, I, I've experienced all that. And, you know, I'm glad to kind of kind of be a promoter and kind of help these guys and watch after them and even the girls too. If, you know, if females, if I get some females fighting, that same thing. I just kind of want to look after people. I think I want to be kind of a, a helper to, to, you know, make sure they, they get the best opportunity they can, especially locally. And then that can lead to, you know, bigger opportunities, bigger, you know, promotions and bigger promoters and stuff like that. So Now, I know you don't want to think too, too far ahead, but you're going to have your first card here, like I said, December the 9th. Uh, but what would be the plans for you and for Two Pound Sports and Entertainment going into 2018? Just to keep the shows going, to keep them bigger, and try to bring bigger and bigger matches, um, bigger and bigger matches, and and you know keep make this place a, a, a kind of like uh, the old times. You know, the, you had the old the old fight towns back in the 30s and 40s, and every major city they had a little fight club. You know, New York, in Boston, in Jersey, you know, California, Pennsylvania, stuff like that. I want to bring that that old school fight feel back to where, you know, we got our own fights happening. And then you kind of start matching guys against other guys from the other side, you mean from the, you know, other cities. Kind of feel like a fight club amongst, you know, former fighters and kind of, you know, get these guys involved too, man. So I got this, I'm I'm an imaginary person. So I got big, big, big hopes and dreams. And and I just kind of want to, create like a fight club, like local fight club. Now, since you, you've been retired here now, you know, about four or five, four, three or four years now, uh, what do you yep. think in today's boxing is the biggest difference that you see from when you were in your prime and fighting in the Titleist? What do you think is the biggest change for the sport of boxing? Well, the guys are getting paid a whole lot more, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a big change. Yeah, these guys are getting paid a lot, and a lot of them are getting paid a lot without even proving themselves. 
that's you know what it's almost like a whoever has the best gimmick you know can kind of kind of weed their way weave their way through and so you know with so much exposure now you got all the social media and stuff like that you know when i when i was champion you know we didn't have uh a lot of the you know there was no really no facebook and all that stuff i mean it facebook came around when the second part of my career like when i fought oscar de la hoya and all that type of stuff but the, during the time I was champion back in 2000, it wasn't, you know, the Instagrams and all that stuff going on like that. So people got uh, more of an outlet, which can bring them more attention and in turn more money. So guys, fighters are getting paid a lot more now. That's the biggest thing I've seen. Now, the one thing that we kind of on that same line, do you think you're seeing more of these younger guys who are looking to maximize their earning potential where they're putting money before legacy and is that something in the, the bigger picture of boxing to where that's going to hurt the sport if we have more guys just kind of willing to nitpick and, and choose fights instead of being great and fighting other champions? You know what? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with what you was, you know, saying. Um, I think guys are, you know, they saw Floyd Mayweather and how he did it, and Floyd was doing that to promote himself. You know, he was trying to – now you see everybody's want to – bling bling and and you know trying to searching for money looking at money talking about money it's no it's no talk of you know what I I think I can beat this guy I think I'm skilled I'm better than him I want to be a multiple champion I mean you don't really hear that you just hear about money it's about money and you know it, it's taken away from it a bit you know what happened to the guys that grinded away and 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 you know pecked away and earned those spots so I mean, it's looking like the guy with the biggest money, you know, can kind of maneuver, you know, being that if it's a, a power broker. and I mean, anything. It's just different. You know, guys are, are in more about money now. And is that something you're going to make sure that, you know, especially with the amateur guys, you tell them, like, it doesn't come in one swoop. Is that something you're going to try to take these young guys with your wing and, and show them that you, you can't get it all in one fight, you're not going to make – millions of dollars your fifth fight out uh, and kind of be a little bit more realistic with them instead of the image that's being projected out to a lot of these young fighters now that the money's just there. It's not always the case. Absolutely. I, one, of, one of the first promoters I had, his name was is Tony. His name was Tony T, Tony Trunich, and he, he ended up passing away. But he told me something, man, you know, he was like, you know, there's no respect. And this was in, like, the 90s, this is like 98, you know, 98, 97, 98. And he was saying that these, these guys are always chasing money, man, but they don't hone their skills and, and really learn to appreciate it. Because if you're skilled, man, you'll make your own money instead of getting pumped up and kind of blown out. You know, a lot of guys get pumped up. They, they, they get built up. They're not fighting the right guys. And then they get to this point. They got this – they all only care about being undefeated. And they get to this point – and then you become exposed. Yeah, you make a lot of money, but you're damaged. You you know, I, I don't want to see that happen to, to the guys I know or the guys I get involved with. I kind of want to see them earn their spot. And, yeah, maybe a little bit more blue-collar-ish, but you'll respect it a lot more once you get there. So that's that's just my my take. Now, you, you're speaking the gospel to me because I completely agree with you. I think that's something that, a lot of the fighters are, are getting away from is that blue collar mentality, that attitude that you gotta you gotta 
you got to earn your keep. You got to work for it. Nothing comes overnight. I, I know that from doing this job here in podcasting. You yeah, know, my, it doesn't my, come overnight. You got to work at it. You got to grind. Got to work, work and grind. My grandma, man, t- you know, everybody has that, that matriarch, that special person in their life. My grandma was like, was my mom, basically, because, you know, I was born weighing two pounds and, and struggling for my life. And my mom was a teenager when she had me. So I grew up with my grandma. And my grandma always stressed, she's like, listen, you. If you go get it the hard way or go get it, uh, you know, a planned way and, and you you fight and scratch for everything you have, you're going to pre- definitely appreciate it when it's all said and done. And you'll learn something along the way. You'll you'll learn a lot of things about people and just, uh, just about, you know, being better. And, and that's, you know, what, what my plan is. Well, absolutely. You, your grandmother sounds like she could have been kin to my grandmother because that's the same things that she instilled in, in all of us, and you know, the grandkids and, the, and her kids, that you got to work hard if you want something in life. You have to – you're going to appreciate it more, and the, the fruits of your labor, it will show uh, down the line. Yep. So, absolutely, I 100% agree with you there. Now, uh, just kind of maybe one more note before we go. Uh, you know, what what are some of the fighters that, you know, that these guys – that our listeners may not know of that you're working with that – you may want to just kind of give them a shout-out that are going to be on the card that may be bigger names that we're going to hear more about in the future. Really, I'll tell you, uh, a lot of the, the amateur guys are going to be some names you're going to be hearing about. You know, we've got a guy, Cole Gabriel. we got Lorenzo Caldera. I mean, these guys I look at in the future, you know. so And they're on their card, you know. Um, look, you know, I'm excited about them. And then we got um you know uh the 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 pros the light heavyweight um James Ballard which you know they I used to live in Detroit and so you know they're 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 kind of showing you know showing me some love and I'm showing them some love about working together and having him come out and fight on the show man and I'm just excited to see how everybody maneuvers in their career and moves on because these fights they are pretty evenly matched I mean. Especially for for a very a first show. I mean, I've seen some shows where guys fought and you just automatically knew who was winning. You know, these ones are you know it's, it's some it's kind of hard to tell. You know, so I, I like that. Not you know I wouldn't have it any other way doing doing a first show like this. Well, absolutely. Well, again, man, for fans who live up in the Oregon area, I can get tickets through TicketTomato.com by searching boxing. Uh, again, that's going to be December the 9th, Jackson Armory, uh, Steve Two Pound Forbes. And I wish you the best of luck here with promoting because you and I both know boxing is a crazy, crazy sport. Uh, we all got to be a little bit crazy to be involved with it. So I, I commend you for wanting to take these young guys underneath your wing and, and showing them the right way. And then this is going to be the first step here come December the 9th. Yeah, thank you. And also, I, I got to say, I want to thank my partner Christina Lundsman. She is a, she is the best. I mean, she had all this stuff mapped out, and we just kind of clicked together to kind of get this stuff going. And and she, I couldn't do this without her. So um, she loves boxing, and and I love boxing, and this is going to be great. Well, absolutely. When your heart's into it, it doesn't become a job; it becomes a passion. So I, I really do wish you the best of luck and. You never know, man. I hopefully, you know, this time next year can be even bigger. You do good doing shows in the mm-hmm. Rose Garden there at uh, in Portland. So mm-hmm. you never know, man. Absolutely. Yeah, never know. 
Got to start well, again, somewhere. Man, we, absolutely. Well, again, man, we appreciate you taking time out this evening to join us here on Punch Space Radio. Uh, fans can, again, can get those tickets to TicketTomato.com by searching boxing. December the 9th, man, first card goes down, man. Best of luck. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Steve. Thanks. All right. Again, that was Steve, two-pound Forbes. Uh, first fight minute, uh, first fight card is a promoter here next weekend up in Portland. So if you live in the northeast, excuse me, northwest, I know I was going to say that, northwest area, if you live in uh, Portland area, man, go support it. Uh, amateur fighters, pro fighters, it's a good, it's a real good look though to give the amateurs an, a platform to be on with pros, more eyes on them, and it gets them used to uh, bigger stages as their careers progress and go on. Uh, but it's really good to hear that he's doing real even matchmaking. Uh, like he said, man, and in a lot of these smaller shows that you see, you see these fighters and fights that are not evenly matched, that are blowouts, uh, that are not competitive. And that's not fun. That's nothing that people really want to see uh, out there. So if you're putting on fun, competitive fights, the fans will come. Uh, I do know in the Northwest, that, that is a fight town. Uh, Portland actually is a fighting community. I mean, I know MMA was strongly supported there for a long time when he had cards there. Uh, and would sell out uh, really big arenas. I know they used to do shows at the Rose, uh, Rose Garden up there in Portland, uh, one of the MMA promotions. And that was before even a major television deal. They would do big numbers there. So I would not be shocked at all, and I said this, but I would not be shocked at all if this time next year Steve isn't putting on shows, possibly at the Rose Garden uh, with the Trailblazers play. So, I mean, it's, it's quite feasible because if you, put on, if you put out a good product, the fans will come to it, period. There's just no way around that. There's no, no other way of explaining it. If you put on a good show, the people will come out and will support it. And when they support you, you'll continue to do good work. So, I mean, it's going to be uh, real good to see that, you know, we've got former fighters staying involved in boxing, and now that next phase of their career, they're going to promoting. So I, I always think it's a good thing. If you're not going to be training fighters, stay in the sport of boxing in some way, shape, or form. In this case, Steve Forbes is doing that with promoting, and i got to respect him and love him for that. So appreciate him taking out the time. Uh, to be a part of tonight's show. But I want to thank everyone who was a part of tonight's show. Uh, you, the listeners, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, if you're listening to this here on Stitcher Radio or on YouTube or on uh, iTunes, appreciate you tuning in and subscribing. Thank you. Uh, if you listen to it live, as always, thank you for joining in. Uh, next week, Adam Bromowitz of Saturday Night Boxing, possibly Shakur Stevenson, who knows what else. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about here next week, uh, obviously, Lomachenko versus Rigondeaux. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about um, Cotto's retirement fight. Um, Adam will probably make fun of me uh, if I get a little bit emotional talking about the last time seeing Miguel Cotto fight, but whatever. I'm prepared for whatever slander he drops my way. And as well, like I said, next week we have John Pascal fighting and Chad Dawson both fighting. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about those fights and if those guys have anything left, if they can offer anything at 175. Uh, so we'll talk about that on next week's show. Uh, but if you're listening to the show and you're not familiar with me, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Brandon P2TF. Uh, PunchTheFace.com is the website. Not a lot there, but, hey, sometimes you never know. I'm going to sneak something up on you. Um, and also next week uh, I will uh, do a quick uh, brief run-through of Invicta FC. I will be covering that fight card live here 
the 11th, next to me, the 11th, the 8th, December the 8th. Uh, so I'll be covering that card, so I'll be talking a little bit about that as well on the show next week. So with that being stated, again, appreciate everyone hanging in there throughout the technical difficulties, but, hey, we got back on the air relatively quickly. Uh, thank you to Omar Figueroa. Thank you to Giangelo Bob. Thank you to Steve Two Pound Forbes for joining us here on tonight's show. Uh, until next week, as I always say, and anymore, I cannot stress this enough, people. I want everyone to stay safe, stay blessed, love one another, because it's the only way we're going to get through this. Until next week's Plus the Face Radio, I am Brandon Stubbs. I'm out. Mm-hmm.